good morning. morning. Welcome, Adventure Family. I just want to take you in. Look at you for a minute. You all look so good. I love a lot of you. I'm I'm just kidding. No, I love you all. Honestly, I do. And you too. I have my friend up here. Anybody know who this guy is? Yeah. This is Christian Gamboa. Can you welcome him this morning? So we're doing a series of um, Jesus stories. These are new insights into an old narrative. Mm -hmm. And this is the beginning of what is called Passion Week. And the reason that it's called Passion Week is because of the passion of Jesus. And you know what Jesus is passionate for? You. He is passionate for you and for me. And so we're going to kick off this story with a with a big celebration. We're going to talk about the, the first day of the week of leading up to his crucifixion and then ultimately what happens then. His resurrection. His resurrection. Woo! And that's what we're celebrating next week. Thank you for those of you who joined us online. We love you and we miss you. Um, okay, you ready to get into this? You want to tell us a little bit about your background, your education, how many doctorates you have? Actually, he does He does have a degree. But it's not a doctorate, so. <clears throat> I still call you doc. Uh, so yeah, so as you guys know, my name is Christian. Uh, I've been coming to the adventure for about 22, so two years and some change. Um, but yeah, so uh, I... I grew up in, well, I finished high school in Wendover, uh, if you guys have driven past it, um, <laughs> that's about it, um, but I went to college in Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon, I went to a small Bible college called Portland Bible College, um, it's a great institution, it's a great uh, place to be, I've met so many people throughout the world globally, because a lot of people came from international aspects. A lot of them came from Indonesia, a lot of them came from Japan, Brazil. Brazil was a big one. Um, Canada, the United, different places in the United States, and it was, and, and it's growing. Um, on campus, they have dorms, so they probably fit like 300 kids. I say kids because I'm older now. Um, <laughs> I couldn't happens. say that before. <laughs> but I say kids, uh, so there's that, and then there's people that are off campus that would come. So I, in classes between freshman year to senior year, you have about 600 or so um, people going to this two to four year program on just learning the Bible. I graduated with a bachelor's in theology uh, with a pastoral counseling uh, emphasis or minor. So if you have any difficult questions, you ask Christian, or if you have problems, you ask Christian. And I will redirect you to Ira. <laughs> um, but love you, Ira. Um, but yeah, so that, that's a little bit about me for now, I guess. Well, we're going to dig a little bit more into your story. He has a pretty, pretty radical testimony of how he became a Christian. But let's dig into the scriptures mm-hmm. right now. Absolutely. Um, you want to start? This is we're, So this is a story. It's in all four of the Gospels. Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the first four books of the New Testament. And 
This particular story is in all four of these Gospels. So if God says something once, it packs a punch. If God says something twice, he really means it. If he says something three times, you should pay attention. But if God says something four times, it's a really big deal. This story is a really big deal, mm-hmm. as we'll see today. Um, so, Christian, you want to start reading? This is Matthew chapter 21. 21. Um, so what had happened was there, there was um, Jesus told a couple of his disciples to go get a little donkey, a little colt. And, and he said, you know, people are probably going to ask you why, but you just go ahead and, and just say the Lord needs it. And so that was what happened. So we're going to pick it up in verse 4. So this is Matthew 21, starting with verse 4. Okay. So this took place to fulfill the prophecy and said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This is from the NIV translation. Uh, the The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him, and they threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting. Some translations, just to break away, will literally say, Hosanna, save us. NIV doesn't say it, but it says... This is NLT. Aren't you reading NLT? I lied. Whoops. NLT wow, does not say <laughs> Go ahead. For a second, I thought it was an NIV Bible. NLT, uh, it's a New Living Translation. But that, yeah, so that NLT doesn't say it. Others will say mm-hmm. Hosanna or mm-hmm. save us. Mm-hmm. Uh, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. This was a, an excitement Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Before we go anywhere else, can I just pray? Please, (laughs) let's come to that. God, this is your word. Let it speak to your people. I'm but an instrument and I'm Mm. humbled to be used by you. Let, it, let us open our hearts or open our minds to what you have to say to us today. Mm-hmm. Thank you. In your mighty name I pray, amen. 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 Okay, so, so he references it. It's, it says, this took place to fulfill the prof- prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king mm-hmm. is coming to you. He's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. This particular prophecy comes from where? It comes from Zechariah 9.9. Um, and just to let you guys know that Jesus always fulfills prophecy. Even though some we have not seen yet fulfilled, mm-hmm. he will fulfill mm-hmm. because he's a promise keeper. That's right. Um, and another aspect is the New Testament always reflects the old. Mm-hmm. Why? Because Jesus is God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. That's right. A lot of people... Um, a lot of people act like the God of the Old Testament mm-hmm. is, is God before he actually got saved, right? <laughs> right? And then the God of the New Testament, okay, now he's saved, now he's nice. But, but I think it's really important to understand that, that it's the same God. Mm-hmm. Jesus, like you said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus Christ is God. And we are going to answer this question today um, that they asked, 
who is this? Mm-hmm. Who is this? When they're, when they're talking about Jesus. But the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh of the Old Testament, was motivated primarily by compassion. Mm-hmm. So when people were being wicked and they were harming other people, God would say, hey, you guys, stop it. I mean, this is the vernacular, but God would essentially be like, you guys, stop hurting these people that I love. And usually it was the downtrodden. And God was like, no, stop doing that. Stop doing that. And if they continued to rebel and they continued to act wickedly, finally God would say, okay, I'm going to have to destroy you. And he would destroy the, the babies and the little children too, not because he was mean and angry, but to spare them from growing up and being wicked. Yeah. And going to hell. So God is actually always motivated by his compassion. But a lot of people feel like he's just so irrational and yeah. angry and capricious in the Old Testament. But it is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Absolutely. So, yeah. okay, so now what is the significance of this prophecy? Okay, so uh, it, it's so significant because we're human, right? Most of us. Most of us. I know I'm an AI. You guys are just seeing something. But, uh, but it's so, it's, if we're looking at this aspect, is the people of Israel would have recognized this. They would have heard this. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it was, prof- it was prophetic. They were, they, the Israelite people have been in captivity for way too long. If, mm-hmm. if not captivity, they were oppressed mm-hmm. by someone else. Mm-hmm. And they were looking for someone for the king. Mm-hmm. They were looking for the Messiah, the one that was going to save them mm-hmm. from their so-called oppressors. But they were looking at or looking at it in the eyes of man. Mm-hmm. Where Jesus doesn't come at it that way. He always does the opposite of what we what we choose to do or what we're looking for. Not always, but the majority of the time it's always the opposite. And in doing so in the Old Testament God wanted a theocracy, which means God was the main person, main figure above all government. Everyone would report to God. But what did the Israelites do? They couldn't understand the concept of who God is or who God was. So they needed a king and they needed a man figure to represent God and to represent the people. They needed a mediator. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's so good because Jesus is our mediator we don't go to some uh old relative to pray for us they, we don't go to a, 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 a an apostle or a disciple that walked with jesus we go to jesus directly, directly. we go to god mm-hmm. um and yeah and then going on to the donkey um most of us um kind of know what a donkey is um <laughs> right i hope so smaller horse not Super stubborn, for those that don't know. They're, mm-hmm. they're a stubborn animal. Uh, they're a beast of burden. In Hollywood uh, movies, if you look at, the, at old Western movies, a lot of them have their horse that they're riding on, and they have a, either a pack mule, which is a cross between a horse and a donkey, or they have a donkey carrying the heavy stuff that they're mm-hmm. needing to travel mm-hmm. or pulling a wagon. But what did it symbolize during these times? Yeah. What did... What did uh, a donkey symbolized to them. As a donkey in the old Jewish tradition, it actually symbolized, well, actually, if we look at it, it says, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Jesus didn't ride on the adult donkey. 
Jesus rode on the baby that had never been that had never been used, mm-hmm. and it's like Jesus that that does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Why go on something more frail? Mm. Mind you, there it's it's still a donkey. It's still powerful, but why not go on an adult which has been used? It's been mm-hmm. and knows what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. In this tradition, in this mindset, the the Jewish people actually saw this. As an, un, as an unused donkey, they used it as the only animal that could be, care, be used for a king to come in peace, but it was also a significant or symbolizing its holiness for those that are riding it. Because most, uh, you know, when, when a military king would come in, they would come in riding on a white horse. Mm-hmm. And so that was really symbolic. And, and here, Israel is waiting for their king. They're waiting for like, like you said, yeah. they're waiting for the one to deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. And yet here, Jesus, the king of all kings, he comes in humble, mm-hmm. riding on this little donkey colt. Yeah. You know, it's like you were saying in Sunday school, you know, they only have a picture of one donkey. But yeah. You color the donkey <laughs> green and call it a day. You get a sticker. <laughs> But no, it's significant because you gloss over it. You say, oh, he's riding on a donkey. But just understanding this passage is so Mm jam-packed with nuggets of wisdom. And Mm -hmm. if you really take the time to dig deep, it speaks so many volumes Mm -hmm. of the preparation and fulfillment that God looks at every single little detail, Mm -hmm. whether it's here or in our own lives. Mm And so it says here, the two disciples did, this is in, um, in verse six, the two mm-hmm. disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and they threw their garments over the colt yeah. and he sat on it. What, what do garments symbolize in the Bible? So yeah, so garments, it's one of the things that you can easily identify someone as. Someone as their status, their authority or their, I guess status uniform. their uniform. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's their article of clothing. It's what they own. And it's something so tangible that you can get rid of, but it has so much value mm-hmm. of who you are. It's almost like your identity, right? We all wear our identity, whether mm-hmm. you are into materialistic items or anything else. Kind of like this cloak right here, right? <laughs> I, had, I didn't do this for a service, but this cloak right here is actually from anime. Don't I'm admit gonna, that. He did not just It's not from anime. (laughs) But it's from an anime that I truly enjoy. But the fact that I brought it on here is like, I have a cloak. I enjoy watching. It's it's my cloak. I enjoy watching anime. It's a part of me. It's part of my identity. And this symbolizes that. In the same way, so like, say, for example, you go to the beach and you see a woman in a bridal gown, like laying on the beach. That would be weird, right? I mean, unless she's getting her pictures taken or something. Mm-hmm. But in the same way, it would be weird to see somebody at the beach or I mean, somebody at a symphony, uh, at a symphony in a speedo, <laughs> right? That would be weird. You can tell so much about a person from their clothing. And that is, that is what is represented here. When mm-hmm. they put their clothing over this donkey, it was as if they were saying, I'm giving up my old identity. I'm giving up my past. I'm giving up everything I put my hope in, everything I have, I have wrapped myself in, and I'm giving it all to Jesus. I'm laying it down on this colt so that Jesus can be exalted, so that he can mm-hmm. be Lord over it. And then it says, um, 
And it says most of the crowd yeah. spread their garments on the road ahead of him. But what did the other ones do? They cut some branches down. They saw what was close by and little did they know the branches that were cutting down. Most scholars say they were palm branches, mm-hmm. which is so symbolic in itself because a palm branch represents victory. Mm-hmm. It represents a token of joy. And if we read further on, as these people are excited, mm-hmm. they're, ca- they're so excited, they're causing an uproar. And it's not like a crowd right here, but it's thousands of people that are coming into Jerusalem, mm-hmm. awaiting their king. And you know, another interesting thing about the palm branch, it, it, John 12, it's, it talks about it. It says that it was actually palm branches. The other versions don't mention that it was a palm, that there are palm branches. But the thing about palm branches is they don't become fully mature until they're 30 years old. And so that was the other thing, because Jesus was 33 when he was crucified. And so a lot of scholars think that, that they used palm branches as a symbol of, of the fruitfulness of the most fruitful mm. time of Jesus's ministry. Wow. So um, I know you love your cloak, but can, we, can I have it? Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> also, just a little side note before, garments, all, like the fact that these people were throwing their garments on the ground and on the donkey for Jesus to sit on them, it's just an acknowledgement of Jesus' kingship. Mm-hmm. You don't do that for just anybody. Mm-hmm. You do it as a sign of respect and surrender. Yeah, because in those days, most people had only one outer garment. Like they had only one coat. They're not like us where they needed a walk-in closet. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's usually people had one item of clothing that they would wear. And so... What struck me this week as I was studying this was, why is there the contrast? Why the branches as opposed to the garments or the cloak Mm -hmm. or the clothing? And if you think about it, the ones who went and cut the branches, I mean, that's kind of a cool thing that they did that. And then they they laid the branches down. But it didn't cost them a whole lot. However... The ones who gave up their identity, they gave up their, their one possession, and they gave up what was symbolic of their old life. When they laid that cloak down, that meant something. Mm-hmm. And so today, examine your own life. Which kind of person are you? There are three people that are, that are um, mentioned in this, in this chapter. There's the ones who cut the branches They are probably, I would assume, the ones who wanted the king to come and rescue them and ended up being super disappointed when they found out Jesus was coming in peace, Mm -hmm. that he wasn't coming to take over. He wasn't coming to take over. And they're probably the ones that were shouting crucify him later on in the week because he didn't do what they wanted. They didn't get their way. Mm -hmm. I think those are the branch people, but the cloak people. The cloak people are the ones who are willing to give it all for Jesus, yeah. to lay it all down for the king of all kings, right? Mm-hmm. And then the third type of person are those who are mentioned later are the ones who don't believe in him. They reject him. Usually it's the religious leaders. It's the Pharisees and the Sadducees that rejected him. But it says most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And I love this. 
Jesus was in the center mm-hmm. of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, and as you mentioned, Hosanna, Hosanna. which means... Save us. God, save us. Mm-hmm. If, if you're truly the one that our Messiah that has seen and heard of the stories that we've been in captivity, in mm-hmm. captivity that we've been oppressed, save us from them. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the New Testament mirrors the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Because this isn't something new. Mm-hmm. If we look back in the Old Testament in Exodus, when God's people are slaves in Egypt, they're screaming the same thing. They're saying, God, save us from our oppressors, mm-hmm. from our captors. Mm-hmm. And what does God do? God uses Moses to lead the people through the Red Sea on dry ground, mm-hmm. saving them from their oppressors in the physical. Mm-hmm. But how many, do we, or how many of us know that God, Jesus in the New Testament works in the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? God comes in peace in the sense of the physicality, but God wages war on sin mm-hmm. and is victorious over it. Mm-hmm. And it says, praise God. It says, Hosanna, save us. Mm-hmm. Um, Praise God for the son of David. Now, there had been a prophecy given that there would always be a, a, a relative, mm-hmm. uh, what is it called? Um, um, an heir, an, an ancestor of King David on the throne. Mm-hmm. But here, Jesus is the ultimate king. And they're saying, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. And here's really where the crux of what, what Christian and I were talking about this week. So the entire city was in an uproar. They were going nuts over this, and there were thousands and thousands of people. It was super, super crowded, and it says that they were in an uproar as he entered. Mm-hmm. And what was the question they asked? Who is he? Who is this? This person riding on this donkey was like, what's the big deal? Who is this guy? And the crowd replies, it's Jesus. But catch this next part. The prophet mm-hmm. from Nazareth in Galilee. They got two out of three things right. <laughs> First of all, yes, it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Second, yes, he is from Nazareth in Galilee. But if they were awaiting a king and showing the respect that a king deserved, why did he settle for profit? And that's so many of us today, including myself, who we ask, who is God? Who is he? Mm-hmm. We, as human beings, have such a small understanding and comprehension of who God truly is and who God wants to be in our lives. That's right, Christian. That's right. The things that we can do to best describe God describe God as is like is just like that a simile we can only compare him to the best thing that we know Mm -hmm. but even then it's too small Mm -hmm. and an injustice Mm -hmm. to who God Mm -hmm. really really is that's right amen so Christian um I mentioned that we were going to kind of talk about your story when when was it in your life that you discovered who Jesus really is can you, can you kind of give us a little background on your story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So it might be, I mean, for some of them, or some of us here, my, not, not necessarily graphic, but it's, it, it's, I'm going to just be transparent. I'm going to be real. Keeping it real. That's what um, we do, right? That's what we do around here. Keep it real, right? So right. as, as a, growing up, I had a, 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 I was a kid, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but um, so I've met my biological father or my biological dad, whichever you want to phrase it. But he was never really a part of my life. Um, so it was at the very beginning, it was me and my mom later comes in, um, my sister's biological father, um, which I'm grateful for my sister, grateful for my parents. Um, if you get a chance to meet them, say hi. Um, if not, that's okay. Um, but Growing up, it was, it, it was an abusive uh, situation. Um, I'm not going to go into a whole depth of what actually happened because I was a child. I was a toddler at, at best. Um, but it was very abusive um, where her, her father would beat or abuse me and my, and my mother. And... As a child, it's so hard to grasp why things are happening. Even today, as things happen in our own life, we're like, God, why? What is this? What's the lesson you're trying to teach us? It's why me? Why this? Why? Right? And as a child, it's so much more complex because you don't know. Mm. You've yet to understand your brain is still developing and so on and so forth, but it's, it's clouded in confusion. Mm-hmm. So when my mother finally took me and my sister away from that abusive situation, uh, I, got, I was in a very, very dark place because I did not know. Everything that had happened, I blamed myself for. The abuse, the loss of a husband, the loss of a father, I took it upon myself. That because of me, this had happened. So by second grade, it would be the first time I've attempted suicide. You were how old? Seven. Seven years old. And I hit it real well too. As many of us know that these thoughts, when it's not shared or confronted or given to God, it's, it's a very dark, dark place to be in. But I smiled because I couldn't bear the burden of having my parents or my mom and my sister be burdened with the aspect of me having to worry about me. This would happen two other times by the time of fifth grade. And I was just like, I can't. I can't. This burden that I've placed on me, I can't give it to them. Mm. In a sense, it was my own selfish desire to potentially give them the peace that I knew was a lie. Mm. And it wasn't until later where my dad, my, he's my stepdad, but he's the man who raised me. He's my dad. Um, so don't cry. Uh, <laughs> Too late. <laughs> um, he's my dad. He's the man who stood up, stepped up, loved me, my mom, my sister, 
But even then, can we take a minute and just honor him? Can yeah. we honor? He's he's here. He's in the house. Can we just honor him? Love you guys. And but, your beautiful mom. And my mom, my sister too, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> if you ask her, I was the perfect child. If you ask her, probably in the past. Now, not now not that I now. called it out. Um, <laughs> But there was still something missing Mm. because that was God. Mm. So when my parents finally ended up getting married, we went to church, a Christian church for the first time because we brought up Catholic, but we went to a Christian church and it was there that I realized the pastor speaking and says, God died for you. Mm. He died for me. I was like, I'm not worthy. Why? Mm. God loves you. That's not true. God loves you. Mm. He says it. He loves you. If you're in a place where your identity is that I'm unlovable, that I'm not worthy enough, that I am scum, that is not true. You're a prince. You're a princess. You're a son and daughter of God. The king of kings, the Lord of lords. There's no one above him, no one beside him. That's right. He has all authority and all power in heaven, on earth, and every celestial being created. He created because he's the originator. But it was that aspect where I feel, realized God loves me and he is for me. Yeah. So who is he? To me, he's hope. Mm-hmm. He's life. Mm-hmm. Things will pass You'll have circumstances, trials, struggles. And this is real because many of us have been in the faith long enough to realize we have struggles. We go through trials. The only thing, the only constant is God is still always with us. Yeah. 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 And in doing so, what's that thing that you're identifying with that you can surrender to God? Mm-hmm. Lay it at the foot of the cross, lay it at Jesus' mm-hmm. feet and saying, this identity that I've carried with mm-hmm. me, my identity is in you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so good. So let me ask you guys today, who is Jesus? Do you think he's just a good example for us to follow, a good moral guy? Is he just a, a prophet? Just a good teacher? Did he even exist? Or is he who he says he is? Mm -hmm. He says of himself that he is God. He is God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who came in human form and went to the cross. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He went to the cross and paid the penalty Mm -hmm. for all of our sins. That's who he is. That's who he says he is. But even in that, even in knowing that, are you, are you someone who just kind of cuts down the branch and kind of adds Jesus to your life? And just kind of, if he doesn't do things the way you want him to, you're kind of done? Mm-hmm. Or are you someone who's willing to lay it all down for him? Because either Jesus is a liar because he said he was God, or he's crazy, because he said he was God, 
because all crazy people, you know, all crazy people think they're Jesus, right? Right? Isn't that true? No crazy person thinks they're Buddha. It's weird. Either he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he is who he says he is, which is the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if he is the Lord, and we believe he is the Lord, he is the king of kings, how do we respond? How do we respond? Do we lay it all down for him? Do we give up our lives for his sake? Because I promise you that is the only place of fulfillment. As Christian said, he is hope. Mm -hmm. He is the only hope. So we're going to take a moment and we're going to stand up. And I just want you to kind of do business with your maker. You know, if you're you're one of those people, you kind of curious about him, but you're not really sure, move in today. Take off that cloak and lay that down and ask him to come in and to reveal himself to you. If you don't know who Jesus is, read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He will show you who he is. But can we just stand up together? So who are you? Are you a a branch person? Or do you just totally reject him altogether? Or are you a cloak person? Are you a person who's willing to give it all up for Jesus? Let's just take a moment and examine our hearts. Um, Christian, would you mind leading us in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Gracious Father, how great are you that we, that you came to die for us. Thank you, Lord. That you love us enough that you sent your only son to die on a cross for us, to become like a man so we may know your character. Mm-hmm. That you loved us so deeply that you came to serve. Mm-hmm. Yet in doing so, you were lifted up high. That you died on the cross and it didn't end there, but it continued because through your word, through your power, through your fulfillment of who you are, you raised from the grave. Mm-hmm. to give us eternal life, to give us hope, to give us purpose, yes. that we are not unworthy, but we are worthy to look and gaze mm-hmm. upon your face. Mm-hmm. I just thank you, Jesus. As we take a look at ourselves in our, what, in our identity, what is it that you want us to surrender to you? Mm-hmm. The answer is easy. It's all, everything. But what is something that we are holding on to, mm-hmm. grasping and clinging on to that? This is something that I've always struggled with. This is something that I've been labeled. This is something that I've believed and I've called myself. But it's not of you. I just pray that we release it. Yes. That these bondages and these chains are broken in your name. Mm-hmm. Because you're a bondage breaker. You mm-hmm. set us free. You have liberated us. Mm-hmm. We walk in a physical aspect today, but in reality, we are looking towards our spiritual father. Yeah. We may be oppressed, but reality, Jesus, you have paid the price mm-hmm. for us to walk in complete and utter freedom. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, you are so, so good. You're an amazing father. Mm -hmm. You care for each and every one of us here, and you love Mm -hmm. us. Can we just repeat that? 
Just say, God, you love me, but say it with authority. God, you love God, me. God, you love me. God, you love me. And can we, if you're, if you're somebody who you want to lay down your life for the Lord, can you just lift your hands? Can we just lift our hands to the king of all kings who came humbly? Yeah, we can, we can applaud in a minute, but let's just lift our hands in surrender. We surrender to you, Jesus. We want to we wanna lay down our lives for you, Lord. We want to give it all up for you. In the name of Jesus. And if you're a person and you've never come to know him, please come and talk to me after the service or come and talk to Christian. We would love to be able to introduce you to Jesus. And now can we applaud the Lord for his goodness? Thank you, Lord. You are good, Lord. You are faithful, God. We bless you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And now can you also thank Christian, but not as loud as you did God, okay? Because that wouldn't be cool. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. God bless you. We will see you next week. Next week is a big, big Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. Come on. Bring your friends. Bring your family. Bring your enemies. And I love you. And we will see you next week when we talk about the best story ever told. Amen. See you guys. Love you. Love you guys online. Thank you.